0: Okay, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure along with Michael Molinari, our producer. Again, our producer Hayden. We're fired up to have uh, the entire team back together. Of course, everything today presented by our friends at Bet River Sportsbook. And guys, uh, you know we always start with pleasantries, but today we're just getting right to it. Hard-hitting news. Uh, It just came across the Twitter feed. Utah Utes, their starting quarterback the guy who threw for a boatload of yards and won a bunch of games at Baylor, Charlie Brewer, has left the program as they begin conference play. Ted, the floor is yours. Your thoughts?
1: (laughs) Well, no, look, I think we're all in somewhat uh, lockstep on this. and I mean, okay, so I'm the New Yorker in the group here, so I'll just be blunt. That's college football 2021, and I can't fathom there isn't a coach in America right now that isn't reading that tweet and that news and thinking, how screwed up is this right now? And I am not knocking player freedom. I'm not knocking player mobility. That's not my point here. It's just that if it becomes this, what's the word, this scattered, uh, I don't know Charlie Greer, so I have no idea. I don't think any of us understands really why this would happen, but this is not productive to selling college football as a product. Fans need to know not just their school, but who's playing for their school, at least for a year. But if somebody comes in and says, after two or three games, I'm gone, and it isn't just a freshman who may not be happy with his choice of school, but it's someone who comes in with cred, right, like Charlie Brewer did, that's just, that's just not good. It's just not good for the sport.
0: Yes. Michael, what do you think?
2: Well, I think we're now seeing the negative of what the transfer portal can do, where Two days ago, we saw the positive of what the transfer portal could do with Jay or at Fresno State. So there's always going to be negatives and positives in any situation. And this just seems this seems like the timing, the timing is bad. You at least think if you've committed to the season, you get through the season. And then at the end of the season, if things don't work out, I think that's the time to make the decision. But I don't know the whole story. We may never know the whole story, but uh, it seems the timing is very bad.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple things to this that are really interesting to me. I went back and watched Utah's games this morning, and nobody played great at quarterback for Utah. Nobody played at a level you're like, that's the starter. Um, Charlie Brewer did that in the spring. He did that in their opener. Obviously, they struggled against BYU in a loss. They struggled over the weekend. Their offensive line struggled. They struggled in pass protection. The context of the game, they were down. They didn't get to necessarily do what they want to do on offense, which is... Dictate terms Uh, so with that said, I am dramatically surprised that Charlie Brewer decided to leave the program when I go back and do the math here i'm trying to find out like he's leaving after the third game. Does he have another year right 2017 he played at Baylor 18 19 20 he got the bonus year, which is this year so by my math I could be wrong here because it's breaking news he's not even on utah's website anymore um so i'm going off of wikipedia (laughs) i don't know if he has another year of eligibility ted oh and we know how this but but my point is like we know how this season goes and i always wish and i'm sure they tried this at utah but like take a breath when life goes hard like you have older kids both of you right i try to teach our oldest all the time breathe like when he gets wound up he's six And I know as a quarterback, these guys, there's so much attention, so many expectations. I hope Charlie Brewer took a breath on this because I would bet somebody else is gonna play besides Cam Rising for a couple drives this year. The way that I saw Cam Rising play when he entered the game, it wasn't like it was Alex Smith out there, right? So to me, leaving that quickly this is a guy who didn't take an NIL deal until he was named a starter because he didn't want to do it because that was the character of who he is. So everything about Charlie Brewer to me was like team first, the perfect guy, um, to lead this program. So for him to leave, I'm like, I don't know if you can play anywhere. You may try to get another year of eligibility, but how, cause you started. So there was no injury. Like you, there'd have to be some personal circumstance. And, and I personally, I, I hate it. I hate it because it seems like when it got hard, he was like, I'm out. I don't know the context of it other than that. But man, I wish he took a breath because it's a long season. And this guy Muddy got another chance to go play and and I can't wait to hear what Kyle Whittingham has to say about it. I want to jump on the kid, but I, I hate this part of the game immediately when it happens. We saw it with Jay Hayner, at UW not named the starter. He was out a day later. And and now we see it here in a different circumstance, but similar t- timing around a decision. So I'm going to
1: quote the greatest movie of the last 25 years, The Big Lebowski. I and at coming. one point, John Goodman looks up at, uh, at a, a, another bowler in a league match and he goes, Smokey, this isn't non. This is bowling. There are rules. Well, right now, I feel like college football is back in non. There are no rules. Luke Beckett just got reinstated at Cal, right? This is his seventh year. Yeah, Mustafa Johnson. We're going to see Mustafa Johnson next week in Boulder. He applied for the draft, was undrafted and has regained eligibility to play again at CU. And I have no idea how these things are happening. But all I can take away is there are no rules. So as applies to Charlie Brewer, he could play for six schools by the time this is all done. Who knows where, where things are today. But I would come back guys with a bigger question, which is we have seen Utah for a decade in this conference and and I've been repeatedly how much I admire the way Kyle Whittingham runs his program and how good they've been and how many top linemen. And I've talked about this a lot last year in our pod, how many top linemen they've produced both sides of the ball that have gone to the pros In contrast, stark contrast to USC, but what's up with quarterback? Why can't they get that position? Right? Tyler Huntley, who's not really an NFL quarterback, but was a really good player at Utah is probably am I am I right, guys? Is that probably the best quarterback they've had in their decade in the pack?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can't. I mean, we all loved um, Travis. Uh, help me on his last name. Uh,
1: I know. He was really Wilson.
0: tall Wilson. Yeah, we we loved, Wilson, him, but he he, yeah. he wasn't. I mean, Tyler Huntley's. He played with fire. And and that's what we preseason. loved about Travis Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I'm with you. Um, and they got him out of high school, and they developed the daylights out of him, when you look at him in his first year, uh, compared to now, like, yeah, I, I look I at, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. they developed the daylight out, right. like, I look at their roster now, Peter Castelli was a big time recruit, they got at uh, Mission Viejo, we know that's a big high school down here in Southern California, uh, in the Trinity League, like a lot of talented players come out of there, uh, he's a the guy they signed, they've obviously gone to the portal many times, so you can go back to uh, transfer from Washington, um, back in the day, um he's played at Washington ended up starting at Utah prior to Huntley um you go to Quin and Jackson he transferred in from Texas they just got him of course Cam Rising had transfers from Texas so I don't know I mean they, they signed Jack Tuttle who was one of the top quarterbacks in the country a couple of years ago and he ended up leaving so there's something and there's you're right Ted I mean that you got to call it like you see it they have struggled consistently recruiting and then developing and maintaining that quarterback and man, in this league, it's too hard. It's, you you got to score 30 plus points a game if you want to win the league.
1: So that takes us to the guy we just saw. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? <sighs> we, we were all part of this astounding, I mean, it was, I, I tried to verbalize this as best I could late in the night Saturday, but that's ultimately the kind of game we saw Saturday. That's why you love college football, because that was just an extraordinary performance um, there was a guy who was a Pac-12 player who found a home that we scratched our heads about along the same vein, right? That's we were talking about when Jake Hayner decided to go to someplace else. He goes to Fresno state and I, I you know, who knows if he'll ever have a, a game like that again, none of us knows, but if that one will be remembered forever by anybody that was there and anybody was part of it, it was why we love college football.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, We had a chance to connect with him yesterday. And he's like, man, I went back and watched that game. And what a moment. Like, what a memory. And he goes, I talked to you guys on the phone. And I said, my dream was to go to the Rose Bowl and play well. And I threw for almost 500 yards. like, And the way that he did it, obviously banged up. He's still banged up. And now he's got a ranked team that he's leading who's got a real chance to make a lot of noise. He's going to be that name the Heisman name of the non power five teams right now, he is that name and he should be. And for me in a young season, best individual performance we've seen by far in 2021. I'd argue since I saw Vince Young, which was a brutal memory, best individual quarterback performance I've seen um, in a really long time. And oh, by the way, he can deal. It wasn't like he just put the team on his back and had a miraculous night. This guy, Ted, how many times in the commercial break were we like, he can spin it. Wow. The ball is getting there. He even said, I couldn't believe they were giving me that little window to fit the ball in on the final drive. He goes, and I fit it in every time in front of the corner yeah. safety.
1: I said this and Michael tell me, cause you're, you're sitting down watching this in the truck on the last drive. He threw a pass to Cropper over the middle and I floored. And again, having had the great opportunity to be around NFL coaches and quarterbacks and i've heard them talk about this and i've seen them put including chip put tape up on and show me things and it reminded me of the sam darnold throw in the rose bowl game he made what mm. sam darnold made one throw in the rose bowl game to the end zone that was just like this hayner throw the hayner's throw was in the middle of the field but it was the same thing that's the moment you go holy god this guy can play i mean this that's the real deal
2: it's, it yeah. was a very small window and i think all of us Paused a second to say, That's a touchdown. Like you didn't, you just like, How could it possibly have gotten in there? And you're looking for the refs and the refs put the hands up. You're like, he, wow. That's, I remember that throw. I'll tell you two people who Chip Kelly, watching the press conference, the post game press conference, said, Best performance I've seen out of a quarterback in my time in college football. That's pretty high praise. Maybe even bigger, Don McLean, the UCLA basketball great who watched the game said, that's the toughest performance I've ever seen out of a player. That's Don McLean and Chip Kelly with some praise. Uh, Jake Hanner, you did well. And I knew on Monday when we talked to him, he wasn't going in the Rose Bowl with a chip on his shoulder. He was going in the Rose Bowl with a boulder on his shoulder, as Mr. Springsteen would say. And he was not blinded by the light. I just channeled Bill Walton there.
1: Oh, <laughs> and, and, and look, hey, props to Chip Kelly, because as painful as that loss was, what did Chip Kelly do at game end? He went right to Jake Hayner to tell him that face to so face. And I and I give Chip Kelly a lot of credit through the pain of the moment, you know, different pain than Jake Hayner was feeling. But that, that Chip went did that was classy.
2: Yeah. The narrative yeah. is UCLA lost that game to a lesser opponent. The reality is Jake Hayner willed Fresno State to win that game. That's what it was.
0: Yeah, you uh, nailed that. And as I heard what Chip said you're reminded that he coached Marcus Mariota yeah. <laughs> like just a heads up there. Right. So for all the 900 plus fellow Heisman voters that are out there, listen in like Jake Hayner and what Chip Kelly said about him, track this guy. That's all we're saying. Track him as the year goes on. Don't be lazy and just give the bigger names from the bigger programs. And you make your Heisman vote track what Jake Hayner does uh, as the season gets going. Yeah. Um, and I would
1: say spin to spin this board for our purposes, Fresno state, by the way, to me right now, if Jake Hayner stays healthy they're favorite to win the mountain West. Having seen San Diego state, having seen Boise on TV, we've seen them Fresno state, that team's legit. (laughs) Uh, So now they have to do it, but I would say that now to spin it forward for UCLA. um, What, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to get crushed by this and to destroy the narrative that was built by the LSU win say UCLA had the lead. (laughs) despite quite bluntly being outplayed, they were thoroughly outplayed in the first half and probably into the third quarter and still should have won the game. So it's, I, I wouldn't, at least I'm not going to sign on to the overreaction. Perhaps we overreacted a little bit as we often do to the LSU win. I'm not going to go the same way with the loss, but I would say one thing, UCLA has a secondary issue. They have to address. And Chip uh, pretty much admitted that uh, in, in the days since the game. Uh, and especially the last play. In fact, I went back and listened to the call, which I hardly ever do. But even I referenced the fact that the, the um, Fresno State receiver Kelly had way too much room on that right side of the field at the snap. They were playing way off. The- and I, I don't know, Yogi, is this, is this just not having speed in the secondary, fear and getting beat over the top? But my God, they just they, they can't keep playing. I mean, it's on tape now, right? Everybody in the league is going to see that. How does UCLA react to that?
0: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch because the first two games of the year, they're flying around so fast, like they looked like the faster team, even in the LSU game. And going to practice, they fly around and you're saying to yourself, okay, like this team, they have so much depth. How many times did we reference the broadcast? They were running like a hockey team, different lines out in the secondary. They don't just have two corners and they got tired. They're playing four or five guys at those spots. Losing Quentin Lake, I think hurt them from a communication standpoint. Losing OT to hurt him from a push standpoint, but we called it from the beginning of the game. If you're going to play off coverage, and I'm a believer that if you think you're going to get beat, um, I would rather play press coverage with some help over the top to disrupt the timing than let, especially a Jake Hayner, or now Tanner McKee, deal their way down the field. You're playing Colorado, different deal right now. They haven't proven to be able to throw the ball with their young quarterback. You're playing maybe a couple other teams. Maybe you change it up a little bit, but... uh, I think they have to go do that. They have struggled the last couple of years. Ted, that's their story on defense: giving up chunk plays, struggling in the past defense. So you're right; it, it's something that needs to be addressed. Because this weekend, they're going to see, in my eyes, the best receiving core on their schedule right now: Elijah Higgins, John Humphreys, yeah. Ben Urasek. You know what they all have in common? Six-three and above. Yeah. Yeah. Stanford trees. Yeah. Tree. Uh, A yeah, uh, uh, man in the slot, Bryson Tremaine. 6-4. So I don't know the status of Quentin Lake. You know, I hope he's back. Right, He's a big DB. But these guys are going to get challenged in that regard again. And, and it's going to be fun. we got the game of the week at 3 o'clock, day game, on the Pac-12 Networks or on Sling or on FUBU if you need help. My six-year-old is going to do a tutorial online later this week on how you can <laughs> register uh, for an over-the-top subscription. It'll be easy. It'll be fun. Um, so that is anyway. the,
1: that's called the Molinari masterclass, by the way.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Tanner McKee, just the numbers that jump out at me for Stanford, the simple math. Game one, they score seven points when he's sharing duties. He's inserted as the starter, 42-41. Yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, that's one of the more amazing turnarounds in college football. Granted, K-State, probably the, the toughest defensive test, but still, Seven forty-two forty-one. 41 that's a good trend yeah. and you know, i'd say the last thing about ucla what about the vaunted run game i mean that to me the secondary is a problem but they could not i, I don't remember more than two plays where i felt like they had a, a large hole for running back to get through where the first two games that's all they had. hawaii lsu it was just great blocking huge holes and it, i don't know what happened and i, I is maybe fresno state's defensive line and they packed the box, but it's got to be a concern. And it's definitely something we'll talk about the UCLA coaches later this week.
0: Yeah. I think uh, just to put a bow on that 16 snaps in the first half for UCLA, right. And you look at the total numbers in the game, they ran it 29 times and it wasn't like they had to throw it a bunch to get back in it. In my opinion, like they were still trying to run the ball. What they did in their first couple of games, they wore out the front, the linebackers, the safeties in the run game. They just had to, got to keep tackling Britton Brown, got to keep tackling Zach Charbonnet. The reps weren't there. Biggest play from a back, I think, was Britton Brown's catch when he lined up at the slot against, oh, near the sideline. So I'm curious, because I think that's the recipe for UCLA now. For the linebackers of Stanford, who were veterans, they, they they didn't do great in the run game against Vanderbilt. There's going to be opportunities for UCLA to run the football, in my opinion. But I would tackle the backs in the zonery game. Make Dorian beat you. Because he has not been able to take it to the house like the other guys have uh, throughout the early part of the season. Uh, Okay, before we move on, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about our partners at BetRivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with BetRivers yet, now is the time. They are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But as you know, if you listen to this podcast, what sets them apart? They require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. The new Rush Pay Instant Approval withdrawing your winnings is safer more secure and much more reliable and football season we're rolling the conference play so get in on the action go to betrivers.com right now download the bet rivers ios app of course got to be 21 years or older hayden our producer i don't even know if you're 21 yet man <laughs> if you're not don't get involved and if anybody has a gambling problem 1-800-GAMBLER so with that said we're gonna dive into all the games in a minute, but I wanna go contextually, Ted. You and I had this dialogue yesterday and I've been stealing your lines on every radio show I've been on. If you're a Pac-12 fan, because the Pac-12 conference, non-conference record is not great. Fair, you gotta wear it. Nobody's played Mercer, nobody's played UAB, and you have to wear the embarrassing losses to Montana and NAU if you're Arizona and UW respectively. But if I said to you, as Ted said to me, would you take Oregon State over Purdue and Cal over Nevada, and trade UCLA and LSU, Oregon, and Ohio State. Yeah. Hell no. no, of course not. No,
1: and that's so the- that's right. That's where we are. The na- the national narrative, the national narrative for this conference gets written by those games that we the last two you talked about UCLA prime time East Coast game beating LSU Oregon big noon kick at the horseshoe winning. That's what. That's what everybody has gripped this league for the last few years, right? So, oh, yeah, you have balance, you have good teams, but you don't have a really good team. Well, now you have a really good team, at least right now in Oregon, and another team in UCLA that had, you know, has to shake this game off, but has a chance to be, and USC, which we'll get to, with its massive injection of life Saturday, what does that do for USC? Does that resuscitate their chance to be that kind of team? Um, you know, look, we understand. I think a lot of us out here understand where Arizona is, where Colorado is, where Washington State is. There, Things don't look very good there right now. OK, so be it. Every conference, the best conference has those kind of teams, too. So I'm with you. I, this to me is the, the, you hope it's a rising tide lifting vote scenario this year that we, Mario has done in Oregon and hopefully with Chip keeps going at UCLA, that David Shaw re, you know, and Stanford continue this path and rebound to where they've been for a decade, that that's the rising tide.
0: Yeah, and, and my last note on that, let's just go around the other leagues. How you feeling, Oklahoma fans, Iowa State fans, Texas fans? You're not feeling great, and two of those three have a loss. How are you feeling in the Big Ten? Ohio State changed defensive coordinators after the Oregon game. Penn State and Michigan look like two of the better teams. In that league right now. Alabama just gave up 250 on the ground against Florida. Right? So I don't think as as we talk about 19 teams in the AP top twenty-five have lost this year already. I believe that's a record. When you look at just the last decade of college football, so I think there's context to be to be shared, and it's important because it's easy if you're lazy on the East Coast or our friends in the Southeast or wherever saying, it's just the Pac-12, man, bad non-conference slate. They'll beat each other up and that's it. That's not the deal. Uh, I I don't believe it to be. I I look at now SC, Ted, as you reference, even Stanford, of course, UCLA, that matchup is big. ASU, I don't want to believe this is who they are. Another double-digit penalty game. Find out. They kick off their conference play this weekend. So point being like, let's just kind of see what happens. And we're in a great position, third team in the country in Oregon, to continue to make a run at this. We'll see how healthy they are this weekend with Arizona coming to town.
1: Yeah, that being said, you have to own what the results are, and I think that's something that the league has to, the conference has to address. You have to own those things. It's just how you tend to craft the story, and there isn't there is a tendency, I think, from recent years to, to look at whatever is the negative about the pack and and use that as the driver of the narrative. And that was my point was to say, okay, yeah, there've been bad losses, you can't hide that, own it, but there've been some really good wins, and. What this conference, football-wise, needs more than anything right now is a team to get into late October, early November in the CFP conversation. It's only happened once in the last what half a dozen years. UW, I mean, and Utah was was flirting with it, but this conference needs that, and right now that's Oregon. That's clearly the team that has the best shot.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk about uh, uh, let's let's go SC first. Uh, it's a nightcap on Saturday, seven thirty at the Coliseum. Oregon State, Chance Nolan, their offensive front. Molinari, you love Chance Nolan. Uh, his story's great. Was guy on the bench, third stringer. Now he's a starter. Jonathan Smith's coming home. NSC, Keaton Slovis, Jackson Dart. We'll see how it shakes out. Personally, I think they'll play both. I think Dart will have a package. I think Keaton will still be the starter. Um, Michael, what, what do you think about this game and what's going on at SC? I mean, one minute, the plane is on its back wheels. The next minute... They score 45 points unanswered.
2: Yeah. Let's, let's not forget they were down 14, nothing to start that game too. You don't, you don't get down 14, nothing in the Palouse and often come back. And that was pretty impressive. As you know, our uh, esteemed director, Scott Barkey and SC alum, it's always fun. We were already at the truck getting ready for the Rose Bowl, So it's always fun to watch the machinations of Scott Barkey as USC is playing even really awesome when we do a game with SC playing, but uh I could feel them coming back. I should say with him sitting next to me reacting. So, and, and, and dart, it's just, you get your chance, you step up and you deliver, you know, that's what, that's what you need to do. And it was, it was great to see that. I feel like, I
0: don't
2: know. I think Oregon state's got, I think SC, maybe the coaching change, the quarterback change, maybe their focus might not be completely on the little beavers coming into town. So I think that game might be a little closer than people think. It's a lot of, men, a lot of mental edge in this game, as we know.
1: But Guys, here's the question. You know, you just brushed on it. Play both quarterbacks. Dante Williams, in his second week as the head coach, has to think about the locker room. What does the locker room want? When you see, as, as USC went through when Slovis stepped in a couple of years ago, when you see a kid come in and play like that, and the receivers are involved as they were, I mean, that's just obvious to me. I I think that was something to do with David Shaw playing uh, two quarterbacks the first week against Kansas State. You have one guy that had been there and had been in the program, and it's a locker room question. And then you say, okay, this is the guy that plays, (laughs) right? I I don't know. I'm not sure, but but I'm thinking about that a lot. Dante Williams has to be thinking about the locker room, Yoke, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think he's probably thinking about a lot of things, right? Like, and, and he should be. What a cool opportunity. This guy grew up three miles from the Coliseum, and he's, he's going to try to get this job, right? So he's going to do whatever, as you referenced, like really whatever it needs to be done to go win this job. Uh, I think, personally, Keaton Slovis, to me, is the quarterback of this team. He's not just like the perception of this team, the face of this team, but he's been through a lot with this team. To me, Jackson Dart, he came in and obviously looked really good once he settled in. Uh, And he looked really good against a defense that's been its an average defense, right? Like he didn't go do it against Kayvon Thibodeau in Oregon. Slovis struggled against Kayvon Thibodeau in Oregon, so it's fair in that regard. But to me, it's not enough of a body of work to say, you know, we got to make a change. This is a team that was still picked dramatically to win the Pacto South. Still has a lot of talent. So I'm going with Slovis, and I'm giving Jackson his package. And I think Keaton is mature enough to handle that. Uh, I think the team is mature enough to handle that. And that's then it's the based on, yeah, that's the question. And then I think it's based on performance where we go from there. Like I think Slovis is going to be the starter of this team, Oregon state at Colorado against Utah at home. And they get to buy and go to Notre Dame. Right? I, if they keep winning, uh, I don't see a change happening there. This does not feel like our, our friend, Max Brown, Sam Darnold at all to me. Uh, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like that. Um, because Keaton's, you know, they've been able to, in his time there, still be able to move the ball. He can pass. So It's just not enough of a body of work for me to say, yeah, let's go make a change and and be the person in the 100th row screaming for Jackson Dart. And And that's I'm not advocating
1: that. I'm just throwing it out there that you have to think that way. And now there's another, and I lived through this. I saw this firsthand. There is an age-old football maxim. You don't lose your job to injury, right? Yeah. You've all lived through Yogi. You lived through, I'm sure as a player, you don't lose your job due to injury. I've seen it happen. Because, because Perfect. the team believed, famously, a guy that became pretty prominent was a better chance to take us to the Super Bowl, and it's not fair, but it's real. And USC is, you know, thinking. I mean, they're not they're not out here playing intercollegiate football. They're trying to win, trying to win a conference, trying to get to a CFP, right? So I'm just I'm just throwing it out there, saying I have to believe that's going through Dante Williams' mind, has been going through since Saturday on the flight back. They got back, didn't they, safely, by the way?
2: Yeah. (laughs) I felt the air quotes there on intercollegiate football, by the way. (laughs) I felt them all the way down here in LA. I felt those air quotes.
1: (laughs) Old school stuff. I mean, I'm just saying, I I really believe that. And maybe I'm scarred because I lived through it and saw it. And it's, it's hard. It is hard. And somebody's angry no matter what. And it's not fair. Whichever decision you end up with is not fair. But the reality is what's the ultimate thing? What's the ultimate mission you're there for? And I've got to believe Dante Williams and his staff have been talking about that since Saturday night.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll say this from being there in the spring when Jackson got there, I got to know him when he signed at SC. He does things that are really special. He can do things that Keaton can't do with his arm and with his legs. Like, Off-platform throws, all the cliches, right? He he does those. I've seen him make plays in practice where I'm like, whoa, that might be the best practice throw I've seen in a long time on this practice field since Sam made the throws that we referenced earlier, uh, the one in the Roosevelt to Deontay Burnett. But, and this offense doesn't have a ton to it, but, man, it's the situational thing of tight games where Slovis, this guy's still, I think, 14 to two touchdown interception ratio in the fourth quarter. Like he's still a guy that is a gamer and has proven that. Uh, but it'll it's going to be a one where we sit back and watch how this one shakes out. Um,
1: and I will say this, you know, the last thing on this, I still haven't seen proof. Even when Dart was in Saturday, I haven't seen proof USC can run the ball when they need yeah. to run it. They try to get out of their own end zone, the one yard line, two running plays could barely block. Uh, so my point is the body of work I've seen so far, they have to throw the ball to win. Yeah. Yeah. Which guy I'm gives them you. the better chance. Yeah,
0: I'm with you there. All right. So let's rip through uh, the slate of games that we have. Uh, it's less games because we're in conference play as referenced earlier. Uh, Utah. I think we could project Cam Rising going to be the starter. It sounds like Jared Guarantano is going to be the starter. Wazoo, Utah, the Roadshow, Ashley, Nick, and Nigel, the crew will be there. It'll be on the Pac-12 Networks, 1130 and Pacific. Michael the one thing you're looking for in this game is what?
2: I, I mean, how did Utah respond to the controversy and the turmoil? I mean, that's and coming back from a game they should. I mean, it's all how does Utah come out and respond to everything that's gone on in the last 48 hours?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I go to this one. I go to last year. It was an awesome comeback by Utah, right? This was the Ty Jordan game. Um, it was over at half. You thought it was over at half. And here came uh, the Utah Utes. So I- I'm curious for Wazoo, how do they do what you referenced as well? 14-0 lead at home. Jaden is kind of dealing. He gets hurt. And now who's your quarterback? Remember, Jarek Guarantano won the job. I think it's important for Cook fans to know that. He won the job, only lasted until the second quarter, and got hurt. So we haven't seen enough of him. What's it like against Utah? I think this is a sneaky good game that can come down to the end.
1: Wow, you said turmoil, and I thought you were going to say Washington State. They played four <laughs> quarterbacks. They played four quarterbacks in three yes. games. I mean, it's insane. And, and we all, I mean, look, that the rest of that story about the coach will get played out here in the next few weeks. We don't know where that's going to end up, but it, it, it can't be. And I, I saw this notes. I forget. I have to hat tip somebody. They've had six double digit leads in the last two years, six different games in the last two seasons, they've led by double digits. They've only won two of those six games. Rough. We'll call it,
2: we'll coin it the turmoil, turmoil bowl
0: then, yeah. for both teams. Okay. Uh, speaking of turmoil, I do not want to be in the secondary room at Cal. I watched Justin Wilcox press conference this morning after that game. I've never seen him attack a position the way that he did after the Sac State game. Uh, it was kind of like, you know, when like your dad, like comes at you hard and you, you know to like, you can't say a word, you just wear it, you back down. Uh, he, was, he was dramatically disappointed in his back end. And he talked about the standard that's been there from Cam Bynum and company. I believe that head coaches, they focus on their position a little bit tighter, right? We all know that. Justin is top five coach in the country, secondary, like where he's come from, where he played defensively, was not okay with what he saw. You dub bounces back, and they get some points. They find their offense in a game against uh, Butch Jones in Arkansas State over the weekend. Cal, Dub on the Pac-12 Networks. Ted, the one thing you're looking forward to in this ballgame is what? Garbers keep it going. Yeah. Can Chase Garbers keep it going? That'll give Cal a shot in the north if they can
1: get their – keep their offense going. And obviously Dub, and we haven't had a chance to see them yet, but, uh, you know, was against an overmatched opponent Saturday, but was that – kind of re- the, the release valve, the tension valve opened up and <sighs> let all the steam out. Now can they play because they have to they, they you know, UW has to show, show something, especially offensively, I think for their, for themselves and for their fan base as we enter conference play.
0: Yeah. And they're going up against a defense that has always given everybody troubles. Last time Cal was in Seattle, I believe was around two thirty in the morning and Chase Garber has hit a couple throws and they won really late. So uh, there's some I'm sure they're gonna be throwing back some of those highlights. Uh whoever's producing that game on the Pac 12 networks at Yogi, there.
2: that made me think I want to make Ted smile. In two weeks, USC at Colorado, twelve oh one local kick.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Brunch with yeah. Molinari. That's yep, great.
2: Yep. That I, I was great. I saw twelve oh one. I thought of you, Ted.
1: Well, the only person that would be happier than me with that,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: Coach Kelly.
2: Yes, true. <laughs> yeah,
0: that is true. All right, so let's get to some of the nightcaps here before we get to the humanity moment of the week here. Um, Oregon, Arizona, Michael. Here we go. Ty Thompson played okay when he came in for Anthony Brown. Hope Anthony Brown is okay. Uh, he was kind of fine in his groove. One of the better games he had passing, uh, granted, it was Stony Brook, but he was kind of dealing when he watched that game. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, do they sit him out another week right, to get ready for Stanford, which is going to be a highly competitive game, I think, in two weeks? And Jed Fish uh, coming off one of the worst losses, I think it's fair to say, in that program's history. They lose to NAU. I don't think they lost since 1932 to NAU. Uh, what's the one thing you need to see or looking forward to most in Eugene?
2: If Can Mario Cristobal get Oregon to come out with focus for this game. And I think, I think it's a tremendous challenge for him to do so, looking at the way Arizona's performed, looking at the way Oregon came out against Stony Brook. And I have a feeling he'll probably use the first quarter tape against Stony Brook to uh, procure that uh, motivation.
1: Biggest thing is Thibodeau gonna be healthy for Stanford in two weeks.
2: Yeah, yep. Thibodeau sits, in my opinion,
0: Thibodeau is, sits. This but there,
1: but the way Stanford's lining up to run the ball again, they, Oregon wants to make sure is ready for that game in two weeks. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm going to co sign on that. And then Oregon gets a bye. And then they get a run. Cal at home on a Friday, an extra day of rest, play at UCLA, and away they go with their schedule. So uh, it's a critical week in that regard. I'm really excited to see how Jed's team responds. You know, like we know they're under, you know, that they're overmatched. Uh, they've got quarterback issues. They played three guys, Ted. I mean, talk about quarterback I mean it's killing Jed right for a quarterback guy to not have anybody really having any mastery over it uh, it's gonna be another challenging night I think for them in Eugene but I want to see how they compete in that regard uh, and then uh, we referenced the nightcap a little earlier but Ted Arizona State conference play right conference play they were a dark horse they were a sexy team we saw them in camp we love how you know you, you call it the uh the tarmac test or something like that? Air, you... The airport test. The airport test. <laughs> they win, they win
1: the airport. They win the airport test. I, I'm going to say this. I, I, you know, again, it's impossible to not admire Herm Edwards and not like them. Um And I've, we've been on this pod a few weeks and we've talked about how much impressive, how impressive they look to the eyeball. I could not watch the second half of their game against BYU. I couldn't. I tried to watch it. I watched the first half, and I was thinking if I were a Sun Devil fan, I'd be upset. And thankfully, why I admire Herb Edwards, what did he say after the game? It's hard to watch. 16 penalties, nine. This is uh, Doug Holler at the Athletic. I'll give him the hat tip. They've had nine false start penalties in their first three games, seven of them at BYU. Seven! There is no excuse for that. I don't care how loud the crowd is. You cannot have seven false start penalties. You're trying to play top level football. So I just, you know, Herm, Ed, Herm Edwards owns it. They have to fix it. Um, and I'll also send out a memo to ESPN. Oh. Memo. I, here it comes. <laughs> Michael, roll out the soapbox, please. <laughs> memo to ESPN. I was howling in the first half I watched. They kept calling the game Pac-12 after dark. The game was at BYU. And I'm friendly with Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Pac-12. I sent him an email. I said, congratulations. I had no idea you're in the Pac-12 now. <laughs> the ESPN announcers and the studio guys were kept calling it Pac-12 after dark.
2: Apparently now it just takes one team. That's all it takes.
1: I mean, I couldn't believe this. Uh, anyway, but but back to ASU. And, and, and Yogi, the other thing I would say, watching the first half, Jaden Daniels looked good. That was really an uplifting thing. If I'm an ASU fan, Jaden Daniels, and I looked up his uh, complete 73% in the first three games. He looked good. They just self-destruct so much that his excellent play couldn't get them a lead. And their decision-making is just absent completely starting with the opening kickoff. A young dude brings it out of the end zone and fumbles on the opening kick. What did we see Fresno state do Saturday guys, every kickoff in that game, even kickoffs in the field of play, fair catch. First of all, you start at 225, you're secure. Secondly, kickoff is by far the most dangerous playing football, by far the most injuries still on kick returns. You take that out, fair catch the ball. And anyway, so that, that, one, that was my first, you know, heptic moment where I said,
0: I can't watch this. Yeah. Yogi, the, the tarmac
2: test, that's uh, USC last weekend and historically.
0: Yeah, yeah copy that. <laughs> Copy that. Uh, Okay, Uh, before we get to the humanity moment of the week, uh, I just want to make sure, let all of our new listeners know about the Field of 12 Media. It's a brand new podcast and digital media network covering college football by some really cool people who know it best. They live it every single day. And it's brought to you by Shoot Your Shot Productions, the folks behind the Field of 68. So the Field of 12 gives you insight into the game we love by the people who have lived it, have played it, have coached it, have covered it. Uh, You go to the Big 12. And BYU, Trevor Knight and Bryce Petty, they got it on lock. Probably not saying pack 12 after dark too often there. Uh, Joshua Perry, Christian Hackenberg covering the Big Ten. How about that whiteout taking down Auburn in the SEC? Mac Starks, Clint Sterner own the SEC. Alabama also has owned and I think will continue to own the SEC. Uh, we'll see what happens with Lane Kiffin. That's going to be fun to watch Matt Corral, a one-time USC, commit. Uh, we have Harry Douglas and Cody Sensenbaugh on the ACC, ACC struggling right now uh but get all the scoop from them and of course we got you every single week the go-to source we can take you three deep on every team pac 12 football check all the links below find the rest of our shows and welcome to the field of 12 It's where college football happens so michael make us feel good it's the segment everybody talks about the floor is yours well
2: the emmys were this oh. weekend here in la That's real, as I tell my kids, I know. No, Wait a minute, how much did
1: you pay for that? (laughs) That's
2: that's an offline. So the big winners, Ted Lasso on Apple Plus TV for Best Comedy Series. The Crown on Netflix, Best Dramatic Series. Congratulations to them both. But my question is, where was the outrage? Because Apple TV Plus and Netflix, they're not on my local cable package. They're not even on direct TV. You have to stream them to actually watch the content on your phone, on your computer. Or if you're really smart, you can get your computer signal to your giant screen monitor if you can do that. Streaming isn't the future, everybody, it's the present. So, Saturday night in the second half of the Rose Bowl, which was one of the most exciting games I've been a part of in 20 plus years of television, we go to the Twitterverse and Because the game is on Pac-12 network. It was full of wine and uninformed mode as always. No one can see it. What a shame. My cable system doesn't carry it. Why is it not on DirecTV? And not just from the uninformed guys in their mother's basement, but some broadcasters we know, reporters of of media, and even media critics. Listen, as Yogi will show you later, it takes nine characters to type sling.com. Why not use your keyboard for a little problem solving rather than complaining? An informed media critic, Andrew Marshland, from the East Coast, wrote an article this week about ESPN network. The mothership is gonna be streaming within five years. It's time to get on board. So anyway, the award, my award, for best dramatic performance was Saturday night, Jay Kaner, and the Fresno State Bulldogs. And if you wanted to, you could have watched it on Pac-12 Network. If you didn't, don't blame your cable company. Don't blame the Pac-12 Conference. Don't blame Larry Scott or even DirecTV. At this point, the only person you have to blame is yourself.
1: In the true spirit of the Emmys, uh, we have to give a best writing award out for that, don't we? To Kate and Isabella
0: Molinari. Kate, Kate well 790. Done. Well done, ladies. <laughs> well done, indeed. Uh, all right, we're rolling. Conference play is getting going in full effect. This one was a little long, but purposeful. There's a lot to talk about, some breaking news, some big news. And we got you covered all season long. So for Ted, Michael, and our producer Hayden, I'm Yogi Roth. You know the deal. This is You Want, you Want pac to Football. We got you covered. Stay safe.